But it was interesting what I wanted in that time, and I didn't realize it until my sister came down, I wanted somebody to see me. Mm. So a lot of times you go through life and you're doing your thing, right? Success, but nobody really sees you. Okay. And so my sister came down and she, uh, I thought she was gonna be so impressed with my life, right? Mm. I wanted her to be impressed. I wanted her to be proud as an older sister. And my sister Ruth, uh, such an angel, she spent a little time with me and she said, you know, Josh, I see that you're hurting. Mm. I see that um, you're broken. And man, I'm gonna tell you something, Tomas, no one had spoken truth to me like that in years. Mm. And I'll never forget that conversation. And then she started talking to me about God's grace and how nothing that I would ever do, nothing that I had done in the past, how I had messed up my life, how I felt I had just messed everything up, right? Um, could change God's love for me. Dude, I've been looking forward to this all week. Oh, all right. Too, man. Too, Here we man. go. Tomas Martinez, we are here with TM3 Impact, our podcast this week. And listen, Josh, I am so glad you are here. I am so glad you're here. Uh, and uh, we're going to jump right into Josh Lopez here in a minute. But first, our sponsors, you know, I got to really give a lot of credit to Luxury Home Magazine, right? Being an awesome sponsor and Spanish Grove Academy. You've got a great connection to Spanish Grove. Yes. Our kids. Your kids that, went to Spanish Grove. Yeah, they started dual language at Spanish Grove. That's and right. Yeah, we love, absolutely love that place. And just the teachers, just an amazing, amazing place for them to start their education. Yeah, yeah, so we're glad to have those sponsors. And so Josh Lopez here, he is the owner of San Antonio Shades. He is an Iron Man. We'll get into that. He is a newly book author. His book just came out. We're going to get into that. But Josh, here's how I want to start. This is yeah. how I'll start every guest. Yeah. Is, tell me your San Antonio story. How did you come to live in this amazing city? Cliff Note version. That's tough. Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you, Tomas Martinez. I admire you, man. You have such a great voice in San Antonio, and just the things that you're doing are amazing. My San Antonio story. So, uh, you know, I'm from all over. Born in Puerto Rico, Boricua. My mother is Mexican. My dad is Puerto Rican. Grew up in South Bronx, and we ended up in Texas. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, man. So I lived in Austin the majority of my time. Went back to Puerto Rico, came back to Texas. But what brought me to San Antonio was my beautiful wife, Martha. I uh, met her. I was uh, singing at a church uh, here on the south side okay. and uh, met her that morning. We we had some friends that were playing Cupid. Yeah. And they were like, man, you got to meet this girl. And uh, man, if you saw my wife, you'd just say, man, there there is a Lord that does miracles because I'm married way up. Yeah. <laughs> you out kicked your coverage. I hear yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> man. So I uh, met her. And uh, the first two years of our marriage, we, we lived in Austin, and then we just uh, decided to, to move here to San Antonio. She became a partner at Merrill Lynch with, uh, okay. with her uh, aunt, and uh, we've been here ever since and love it. Love mm -hmm. San Antonio, man. Love the Spurs. This yeah. is home, man. Yeah. yeah. And you know, if you know, if you know Josh Lopez, Josh talks about tacos, about every other post is about tacos. So you're in the right place. Yes. You can't be in Austin yeah, talking kinda, about tacos. I kind of felt a little out of place, man. <laughs> you know, 
uh, yeah, the tacos, man, you know, you can, you can have a bad day, you can have a good day, but you know, the, the tacos are life, man. It's life. You know? <laughs> that's yeah. right. That's what it's all about. Well, listen, that's what the book's I, about, man. That's no. what the book's about, right? <laughs> well, you know, so here's the thing. So I, I'm glad you told me your San Antonio story, but I want to, I want to go back to a piece because, yeah. You know, again, uh, you wrote this amazing book, Don't Give Up. And oh, I, I have to tell you, well, I'm just say, listen, if you don't read this book, you're not a friend of Tomas Martinez. Get the book. We'll have information for you to order the book. Um, it's don't give up. Dot online. Dot online. Don't yeah. give up. Dot online. I've read a lot of books and, and about people's story. And the one thing that really hit me, Josh, is, is just how real and raw you are with your story. And I really appreciated that. Oh man, thank I you. I really appreciated that. It, 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 as I was reading it, you know, you start the book with Psalms one thirty nine. Yeah, right. One of my so, favorite psalms. Yeah. As you and and so I'm, I'm curious, like, as you were starting this book, what really motivated you to start it with that scripture? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, that scripture for me has always been. Uh, sort of the story that God talks about that he's right he's written for our life right mm. and so if you Im imagine you know God the Father as an author you know he has written a story for each of us and uh, you know just that inspiration of him creating that story and penning that inspiration uh, inspired me to start writing you know the story mm. that he's he's been writing for me or he's written for me right and yeah. uh, you know what really inspired everything at the beginning I, I talked to you a little bit about this was my dad passed away about three years ago and uh, having you know a, a father pass away uh, just someone close everything turns into gold so I remember my siblings and I we were looking for everything after he passed and you know we didn't have a relationship growing up so everything turned into gold we just I wanted to know more about his life and I decided that uh, you know, I wanted to leave something for my, my kids. I don't have any plans and passing away soon. Right, right, good. <laughs> but when uh, when that time comes, as it does for all of us, I want to leave something for them. So that's how this journey started. And, and so when did you something. officially start writing? Yeah, three is right after my dad passed. Really? Yeah. There so was you a hadn't time. thought about it before then? You know, I thought about it, but I, I always, you know, just said, no, I, I, I I'm not a good speaker, you know, mm. just doubt yourself. And, you know, yeah. uh, I, I do music all day, but when it comes to speaking, I feel like so many other people like yourself are gifted at it. So I mm. have to work a little bit harder at it. So mm. writing was a little intimidating for me. Yeah. You know, so you start writing and, and as you, you start the book off, I thought it was really interesting. You're on a cruise. Yeah. Right. And, and, and so anybody that knows my wife and I, we are like cruise junkies. Like yeah. right now we're, we're kind of like, you know, shaking right now I because know. we would normally be on a cruise at this time. Right. right. And so, you know, that you started it off with that scripture and then you start talking about this amazing cruise that you were on sure. and just this culmination of what had happened in your life. Right. But, but that cruise is, was, was basically kind of like just, it's just a frosting on everything that had happened on your life. Yeah. And so I'm curious, you start with that, but what was, why did you start the chapter with that story? Yeah. So being on that cruise, I remember there was a lot of time to think about, you know, just the last three years after my, my dad had passed and uh, just all the amazing blessings, you know, our, our business, uh, we're, 
you know, just doing the best ever and just God's really, really blessed it. You know, our family, most importantly, is healthy and just we've seen so many amazing things in the last three years. And, and you know, I was riding solo on that cruise, uh, had my band with me, uh, but, you know, I just had a lot of time to think. And, you know, when you have kiddos, you know, man, uh, it's hard to, to break away sometimes and yep. just have that time to think. And so that's where it started. But, uh, man, I love the water. And you see a lot of metaphors in the book with water. Mm -hmm. I'm in front of an ocean and it always resets me. And uh, I talk about in the first chapters of the book how there's so many parallels to life and the ocean. Mm -hmm. You know, you look out at the ocean, it's beautiful. Life can be that way sometimes. But there's some times where it's rough mm -hmm. and there's unknowns. And you're in the middle of something that you don't know which direction to go and you feel lost and... You know, if you don't know how to swim, you sink. Yes. You know? So there are so many parallels. Uh, I always love the water. I love using metaphors with the water, yeah. you know, in the book. And uh, yeah, that's how it started, man. That's cool. Now, now the book, for those of you that, because you're going to read it, you, you, you have this quote, that to me was truly living out my dreams, being awake in my dreams. Yeah, yeah. This idea of being awake in your dreams. Yeah. Talk to that. Yeah, so you have to understand that I went through a period years before, and I talk about this first chapter of the book. Yeah. You know, uh, I was a homeless kid. You know, I watched my dad uh, being a, a, vet a Vietnam veteran battle with post-traumatic stress disorder and uh, with drug addiction. I walked in and he was uh, shooting up heroin. So that happened at a very early age. And so a lot of my dreams and that aspiration and belief that I could do anything in life was just shattered and completely devastating, mm. you know, at a very, very young age. Um, at 15 years old, I was on the streets of Austin, Texas, homeless, mm. dropped out of school. And you can just imagine, you know, I don't have to go into all the details of that, but you can just imagine the mess of a life I had in that time. Yeah. And so fast forward, you know, uh, get a call from my aunt and um, she says, uh, or it's actually my older sister and she's uh, talking to me now and she says, hey, your, your, our aunt wants to take you in in Puerto Rico and help you get back in school. And so that was a lifeline to me in that time. Mm. And I was able to go back to school and uh, graduate college two years and graduate valedictorian of my class. Uh, you know, again, God's grace. Yeah. And then the last year of college, I landed a record deal. And uh, that was kind of cheesy how that happened. They have this thing called Mr. Puerto Rico. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, at the time, you know, uh, I love tacos during that time, yeah. but I had a higher metabolism, man. So um, <laughs> of I doubt anybody would ask me to do that now. But, you know, it was one of those things where uh, – uh, you know, I looked at it as, man, this is going to help me get ahead. And uh, and it was during a talent show doing that right. contest. Um, the uh, producer out in the audience said, hey, we want you to audition for but this. But you won the competition. Did, did yeah. you win it? Yeah, yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. You left that part out. Yeah, you won I, the won, <laughs> I won. And then, uh, and then I did uh, 
uh, you know, an audition for this pop group yeah. and had no idea that this producer had uh, been a producer for Menudo, yeah. you know, if you're Latino or, you know, if you listen to Spanish music, you know, those groups back in the day, oh, you yeah. know, I'm telling my age too. Uh, yep. uh, so our group was Jaque Mate. It was a culmination of girls and guys and yeah. it was cheesy, man. I bet. Um, yeah, yeah. So, but during that time, it was huge yep. because I'd gone from being homeless, broken yep. to now graduating college i had a place off the beach and so now dreams going back to your question yeah they seemed a little bit more attainable right yeah um but interestingly i was still empty in that place i uh, yes you yeah. did you mentioned that in the book i yeah. was gonna ask about yeah, that yeah, because yeah. You, you go from this this kid that was home and how long were you homeless for so there were two times i was homeless yeah. our family was homeless for close to two years okay and, what age uh, were you at that time? So it was 12, 13. Okay. You know, uh, and uh, then, you know, from 15 to 16 was my homeless time. And yeah. it was uh, a little under a year. Yeah. You know, and yeah. uh, so we had, you know, it was, you know, a big, big chunk of our uh, adolescent years. Those are formative. Those are formative exactly times, right? right? Yeah. Like that's a. Yeah. That's a formative time to be at that point. And so now when I hear that quote, you know, that to me was truly living out my dreams, being awake in my dreams. So now you you go to Puerto Rico, you become this pop store star and money was not at that point. I, I would imagine you were you were making pretty good money. Yeah. You know, a lot of it is a, is a facade, right? Because mm -hmm. you have you're surrounded by people that tell you what you want to hear. Yeah. Um, you start believing something about yourself a lot of it that is not true right mm. you you know you're around people that think you're so great because of your talent and uh who don't really know you but it was interesting what i wanted in that time and i didn't realize it until my sister came down i wanted somebody to see me mm. so a lot of times you go through life and you're doing your thing right success but nobody really sees you okay and so my sister came down and she uh, I thought she was going to be so impressed with my life, right? Mm. I wanted her to be impressed. I wanted her to be proud as an older sister. And my sister Ruth, uh, such an angel, she spent a little time with me. And she said, you know, Josh, I see that you're hurting. Mm. I see that um, you're broken. And man, I'm going to tell you something, Tomas. No one had spoken truth to me like that in years. Mm. And I'll never forget that conversation. And then she started talking to me about God's grace and how nothing that I would ever do, nothing that I had done in the past, how I had messed up my life, how I felt I had just messed everything up, right, um, could change God's love for me. Mm. And that was a message that I clearly needed to hear in that time. But also, it was a whole different perspective of who God was. It wasn't about trying to do all these right things to attain his love but it was more so about what he had already done for me yeah. and what I needed to receive and how I needed to love myself and love others, right? Mm. So, you know, in, in a short time after that conversation, I just, I this was a really turning point of my life. I surrendered my life and purpose and plan to Christ. And, uh, and I said, God, you know, just take my life. I want to, I don't want to live without purpose anymore because yeah. I had done that quite a quite a bit and uh it was very very young you know mm. uh, when you go through hardship at a very young age you grow up really really quick yeah so i found most of my friends uh most of the conversations i had with people were about five six seven years 
older. You can probably oh, attest yeah. to that. You oh, know? yeah. Because you couldn't really relate with anybody, you know, your same age because they hadn't gone through the stuff you yeah. had gone through, you know. And so uh, that's when I moved back to Texas. And, and Austin? Point. Did you yeah, go specifically Austin. to Austin? Yeah, okay. so uh, most of my family lived at my mother lived in Austin at the time. Okay. And my sisters and uh, you know, I had a, I was at a crossroad because we were getting ready to do another record deal, an extension of the record deal with Sony, and I decided to to not do it. Hmm. And um, it was more important for me to be happy and be at peace. And that meant for me in that time, I needed to find purpose. I needed to be close to my family. Okay. You know, there were years and years of me not just being separated. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so uh, you know. Family's everything, man. Yeah, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And and so what you, I can imagine going back to uh, you. You leave Austin homeless, mm -hmm. go to Puerto Rico, yeah, get a degree, win Mister Puerto Rico or a pop star. Did y'all travel outside of Puerto Rico at that we time? We did. We went did. to Venezuela. You know, this is an interesting uh, um, story. We opened up at one time for Ricky Martin. Oh my gosh, Mana. You remember Mana? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. So they were just started. So Ricky was. Uh, uh, he was on General Hospital at the time, yeah. and Mana was just starting. They were still at a college in Arecibo. Oh, and wow. so we did a concert with them on the beach. Had no idea that they were going to be so huge. Yeah. Um, you know, it was it was a cool time for us. But once again, it was a facade. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, most of those guys that are in the group, you know, they just, uh, after they found out the reality of what that was, right? It's, mm -hmm. You know, they've gone on to to be uh, business owners or, you know, just different things in life. Um, it was a lesson, an important lesson to learn at a very, very early time yeah. in your life, you know? So I'm, I'm sitting here imagining, you know, he, again, going from being homeless and then you, you go to Puerto Rico and you have this level of fame. You come back to Austin, you still get an opportunity for a record deal yeah. and you just say, you know what, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn this down. Did you right. already have a plan of what you were gonna to do with your life or were you kind of was that a moment where you were just kind of like let me just see where god takes me at this point yeah. was it just yeah so you know one thing you have to know at that time i knew how to hustle okay i knew how to you know just i mean i'd been homeless been on the yeah. street i you know when i moved to puerto rico through college i worked three jobs mm. so uh it was never a question coming back to texas oh man will it work because i okay. knew I just have to get a good job, yeah. work my butt off, and you know, just be close to my family. Yeah. But the most important thing was happy, you know, mm. happiness and peace. Um, I chose that over, you know, hey, I'm going to do this this pop star thing, right? Know, but and, I also too, I thought it was interesting in the book. You never really sang in front of people before the the. Did you sing? You didn't sing a lot in front of people no, before I, the pop the 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 uh, the contest yeah. in Puerto Rico, right? Yeah. So one one detail about that, my mom uh, raised us in church, and in fact, she's been the rock of our family. And so early on, you know, even when my dad was going in and out of his battles and uh, you know the post traumatic stress disorder, she always took us to church. Mm. So she taught us music. She taught us, you know, uh, how to treat. A business owner and a custodian the same same mm -hmm. way you know just um, taught us people skills that to this day you know I really really appreciate her um, her meekness and just her steadiness and consistency yeah. because um, you know if you meet my mom man she's she's just so so consistent man she's been that way for for years and um, all that to say is that 
you know, it's, it was something, a part of the happiness coming back, being close to my mom mm -hmm. and being close to my siblings. I knew that it was going to, it was going to be the next chapter of my life. Yeah. You know? And so at that point you started singing at church, you started connecting yeah. with the, with a, a ministry where you yep. were singing for not the youth group, but you were just, just getting connected. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so the dynamic changed, right? So I had tasted a little bit of what it was to have a career in a short time where it revolved around me. Yeah. And I found that at the end of that to be so just, you know, purposeless mm. and so i actually prayed i said god you know the next time that i do music i wanted to just have some type of purpose mm. i knew what it was like as a kid to sing in church and see someone moved mm -hmm. and there's nothing that can take that away right yep. you know when you do something and it puts a smile on somebody's face or when you do something and impacts somebody in a certain way uh, there's just something to be said for that we all yep. long to do that yep and so uh, I was playing the piano in that church, uh, Shoreline, in mm. Austin, Texas. Yep. And uh, the the worship pastor walked in and said, "Hey, uh, do you want to, you know, perhaps lead for our youth?" And uh, so I volunteered seven years leading worship for the for the young people there at Shoreline. Wow. And uh, that was a whole new thing, man. I, yeah. I was just you know, thrown into the, the water, man. Yeah. And, uh, talk about, you know, sink or swim, man. Um, but that's where uh, you probably honed all your talent. That's the 10,000 hours. That's exactly right. And, uh, to the point where I knew that it was my purpose in life. So I went to this is a funny story. So I went to uh, the executive pastor and I said, uh, his name was DR. I said, DR, uh, I believe with all my heart that I need to be on staff. And I'm working at a bank now. I'm volunteering hours here. In fact, I was volunteering over 20 hours a week mm -hmm. at that church. And I said, I'll start at the bottom. I'll be a custodian, whatever it takes, yeah. because I believe that I should be here. Yeah. And he told me something that was interesting. He said, and this is, uh, I know we wanted to talk a little bit about this. He yeah. said, it's not if it's going to happen, it's when. Mm. It's all about timing. Mm. And that helped me embrace that was perhaps the, the first don't give up story for me because whenever you know your purpose and when you know without a shadow of a doubt, I should be doing this, but everything around you points to, hmm, I'm, you know, they're not seeing that same value. You yeah. know, you're not, you're not really making a living doing it or you're, you know, uh, in this place where it requires a lot of time that you feel yeah. like you're just giving away, right? Yeah. Uh, you get to a point maybe where you start questioning mm. and saying, oh, is this really, is yeah. this really my purpose? Yeah. And it was a reminder for me that, uh, you know, that didn't matter, you know, if I was getting paid for it or not, you know, and it, to this day, it doesn't matter. It's, it's yeah. one of those things where when it's your purpose, you do it regardless. Yeah. And, and you know that and you do it with all your heart. And that's what really brings that fulfillment, right? And, the, and then the, the, the blessings are like tenfold. I can imagine all that time singing and preparing yourself yeah. prepared you for that next level of where you were going to go as a, as a, in, in the music ministry. Yeah, you know, absolutely. it got no you. Doubt. It got you prepared. Um, uh, this is one quote that I thought was really interesting. There's two here that I want to hit on. You said, and going back to your time being being homeless, you said bad circles plus bad choices equals a bad life. Yeah, 
And good circles and good choices equals a good life. Yeah. Like t- just talk for a little bit about that when you, you know, t- going back to that moment. Yeah, absolutely. So it goes back to, for me, in every stage of my life, what I surrounded myself with. Mm. So the first thing you think of is relationships. So those relationships, you choose relationships, right? You yeah. choose what you surround yourself with. So if you surround yourself, you know, in a simple way with negative relationships, yeah. relationships that are not challenging you or not pushing you. I admire you and I and I appreciate your friendship so much. Every time I get around you, I feel challenged. I feel like, man, you know, I, I got to step it up because the yeah. Moss man <laughs> is doing big things, you know? So that's the kind of people that you need in your life. When you don't have that, there's definitely something missing. When you have people around you that hurt you mm-hmm. constantly, when you have people around you that you know, talk down to you constantly. You need to make a choice, an intentional, you know, just shift in your life to say, I'm going to surround myself with people that encourage me to fulfill my purpose. And uh, I didn't find that out until later in life. Um, I found, you know, even being homeless, I was surrounding myself with the the bad, um, you know, influence and uh, there were there was a time in, even in college where I did that, and even being in that whole pop yeah. music world, I was still doing that. Mm. And it wasn't until I said, you mm. know, man, I I need to I need to be better in relationships. You know, not only not only surround myself with these friendships that challenge and encourage me, but be that friend to others. You know, that's big. Yeah, that's big. But but those relationships. Uh, help you make better choices. That's that's exactly right. Right. So I would yep. imagine you you leave Puerto Rico, you come to Austin, you start a friendship group of people that started helping you make better choices and yeah. making better you know a, a better way of life. Yeah, that's exactly right. And then also, uh, so when it comes to music, uh, people always laugh. Is I'm 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 the weakest musician ever when I'm on stage with my yeah. with with my friends playing music. And I've and I've purposely always chosen that because I'm always learning, mm. and so and I'm not intimidated in the least bit when there's and I'm surrounded by a bunch of you know musicians that are much greater because I want to learn, right? And um, that's been a blessing uh, for me for years. Uh, there's good friends of mine, Jason Meekins, Aaron Kiefer, that I've played with for years, and they are just so incredible musicians and you know playing with them it 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 helps you step up it helps you and encourages you and challenges you to step up to this level and it's true with business it's true with most importantly family yeah and you know to find uh, as a as a husband as a father to find and surround myself with people that i admire that are killing it in that in that you know world you know where they're you know, amazing fathers, amazing husbands, and amazing leaders in the business world. Um, And I've been blessed to have those friendships, you know, and, and, uh, you know, there's something to be said for, for being intentional with those relationships, right? Yeah, for sure. You gotta look, you gotta look for them. Yeah. You definitely gotta look for them just in the same way you have to be intentional with your choices, right? Exactly. Now, um, you, 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 your business, right? So I want to, I want to get to the point where you, you start this business at San Antonio Shades. You are in California, if I remember correctly, or somewhere, right? West Coast. So, and these guys are musicians, but, but they have this little side hustle, right? They're they're doing blinds or something. And you're like, 
hey, could you, could you show me how to do that? Yeah. Talk about that story. I thought that was really cool. Well, one very important detail with that story, and I mentioned it in the book, when you're doing what you're passionate about or your purpose, opportunities will happen. So and true. you never know what doors it's going to lead you to, right? And so I had just been laid off from a tech company in Austin. So I was doing uh, uh, computer training for uh, government offices in Austin, Texas. It was a really, really good job. I just proposed to Martha. And so, you know, after buying that ring, man, you're just like, yeah. all right, man, I better be sure I have a good job, you know? And so right. I had things kind of just all my ducks in a row. And then we get a call in at, from our supervisor at the time. They, the seven of us doing the same thing. They said, hey, we lost the contract with uh, with this with uh, state, and yeah. we have to let you guys. This story go. was not in the book. Yeah, yeah, I <laughs> that story forgot was not, that. Man. But I mean, hey, it, it happens. But keep going. So you, so you lose then, your job. So I lose my job, and then one of the last emails that I get on my work computer was a producer. His name is Phil Cius. Uh, he's written, you know, the Chia Chia jingle, clap on, clap off. Amazing. Oh wow, amazing producer. And it was the first time anybody had called me, heard my song, and said, hey, we want to record your song. Okay. And so he said, hey, do you have time? I can fly you out to California. I said, well, well. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, I, I do. I just had an open, yeah. you know, open schedule just recently. So, right. yeah, I can do that. So we, we get down to California, Red, uh, Red, Redland, California, um, and I meet these guys, uh, GB5. It's a group of five brothers. Amazing. Okay talented gifted and as they're as we're recording the song a song called just to know you okay um you know each brother's coming in they're like man we're doing so good and you know they just seemed like they were prospering man and i had always i prayed to god to have a tent making because i knew that music early on wasn't going to pay the bills man yeah. you know uh there's very few that 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 can do that and so i i wanted something non-related to music and I'd always wanted to have my own business. So I saw this as a possible business. And I said, hey, Louis, the oldest brother, I said, hey, if I stay here the next two weeks, I'll work for free. Teach me the business. And he was so generous and kind. He said, man, absolutely. I think they needed an extra worker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Perfect timing. Yeah. So uh, he taught me everything he knew yeah. about the business. Yeah. And I came back to Austin. Uh, it was 2003. Okay. And uh, man, uh, I learned so much in the next two years starting my business, you know, just hard yeah. knocks. I didn't, you know, I didn't know, you know, anything about, you know, being a business owner. I just, I went to the school of hard knocks. For of that, course. Man, so. But this is critical because I, I think people, there are a lot of people, Josh, that I, that talk, uh, that I talk to that, that always ask, you know, like, hey, you know, I want to start this business or I've got this idea and they, yeah. they get really excited because they, they're having this mental image of just, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. It's going to be perfect. Right. They get, yeah. they get, they get this kind of like this, um, you know, visionary fantasy of starting a business. Right. right. So I, I would imagine you just the thought, and this is the thing you were willing to be trained for two weeks without pay yeah. so that you can learn something completely new and take it back to where you live to do it. Number one, right? That's complete eagerness. 
Usually somebody that's willing to do that is probably going to be successful, right? One thing. Number two, you come back. Are you married at this time? Did you, had you already gotten married or did so, you wait? So yeah, so a year after starting business, that's when uh, married. You Martha. got married. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that first year early, you're in the business. Early years of marriage. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Now that's hard. Yeah, it was hard. And that's so hard. Martha just told me a story and this was powerful. She said, because she used to go with me sometimes just handing out like little, I had a little Toyota Tacoma truck. Yeah. And so I'd go to subdivisions sometimes and just see, you know, new homes and then pass out like these little posters. We were called best price blinds. Yeah. And uh, that's how we generated our business. But I had a pastor friend of mine, his name is Randy Phillips. And he had so much to do with, in fact, I started working with him for his church that he just started in Austin at the time. Okay. So I was making, it was more of a supplemental at the time. And he, one Sunday morning, he said, hey, he has a country accent. He doesn't mind me talking, you know, yeah. trying to imitate him. But, he, you know, he's like, Josh, this young man right here just started a blind business. If you need any blinds, <laughs> you know, Josh is the That's man. That's funny. He's That's the, funny. He's the blind man and uh, singing. And uh, so, bro, after that plug, Man, all these, you know, just clients started coming and we started doing, you know, huge projects and, you know, it was a trickle effect. Yep. Um, but it wasn't, uh, it's interesting, it wasn't until the last four years yeah. that it was really a shift for us because we started focusing on just a niche market. We do automated shades yeah. and, you know, that's, you know. What we do uh, now, and we've been so, so blessed to work with builders in town, to work in, you know, three cities now and, you know, have an amazing team and, you know, God's blessed it so much. But yeah. there were definitely those years of yeah. grit and oh, pain yeah. and, you know, is this really going to work, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, and I'm, I think back to when I started my business, right? Again, you know, you have that fantasy, right? You right. have that idea. What do you think was in, in those early years, what was it that, that kept you truly focused and not giving up? Because I look, you know, it's don't give up. That's the title of your yeah. book, by yeah, which yeah, everybody's yeah. going to get. How did, what kept you from not giving up in those tough times? Because, you know, 2008, 9, and 10 happened, right? Yeah. That, that weird period in, in our economy where things just kind of hit the brakes yes. a little bit. Yes. And we went through our, you know, after the recession, that was huge for us because Lowe's and Home Depot started offering the same thing. And, you know, sort of, uh, we lost a lot of business after that time. But uh, I'll say three things to that. Uh, the first is relationships. So my wife has always been that person in, in, in my corner just saying, Josh, you got this. Mm. Don't give up. You know, hey, it's going to be okay. No matter what we've gone through, she's been just uh, an amazing force in, in that, yeah. um, where she's also challenged me, you know, when I've had moments and we all have these moments, oh, you yeah. know, where we kind of feel sorry for ourselves or whatever, what was you know, me? Yeah. so hard. And she's like, you know, Hey, there's no time for that. You know, yeah. you're, you're better than this. Like pick up, like it's time to, it's time to move. And that's, that's Sal Salvador, my Salvadorian yeah. queen, man. She's, awesome. she's amazing. And, um, and then the second thing, you know, is really, uh, you know, we've always been advocates of writing down like our goals and looking at them and, you know, it sort of holds you accountable. And so we had, you know, we've, we always do five-year plans, you know, and make sure that we're keeping each other accountable. And then I even have that with some of my friends. My friends will ask me about it, yeah. you know? So yeah. I think there was a lot of that. So once again, you know, those relationships, that accountability. Yeah. Um, 
And then the last, which is really the biggest, is uh, God's grace, man. He has always been so faithful. And uh, when I've been in points in my life where I wanted to give up, it was always something, whether it was a person, whether it was a challenge, right? Because mm-hmm. sometimes challenges that come your way can completely take your mind off of what you what you yep. are focusing on. Yep. And then all of a sudden you see this new purpose and new plan. And so that's happened quite a bit in my life. Man. Yeah. Well, you, yeah. you, you mentioned the, the piece, I think. For 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 anybody out there that that uh, that you want to start a business, if you if you who you marry matters. Yeah, I absolutely. say this all the time. Yeah, right. Like yeah. who you marry matters. Absolutely, no and, doubt. And if you yeah. if you don't get that part right, you may have a really hard time getting a business right. Yeah, yeah. You know, you have to be a team. You got to be. A you team. have to be a team, and and team doesn't mean you know a lot of people mistake it with where you have to you know because Martha. You know, so we we're in the business together, but you know, she's been fortunate enough to be, you know, just uh, successful with what she does. You know, she was a VP of a small firm. Mm-hmm. You know, she worked in the financial industry for 15 years, and now she's a stay-at-home mom, which she loves and she's so great at, and it's the biggest job she's ever done. You know, yeah. um, people ask her, "What do you do now?" She's, yeah. And I'm quick to say, man, she works hard, you know, because yep. there's no doubt, you know, that um, stay at home parents work really, really hard. Um, but all that to say is that uh, being a team, I think, goes back to encouraging each other, man, to 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 accomplish your purpose and your yeah. dreams. And, you know, uh, they're they're the the ones that you know when you feel like giving up will say don't do it yep. you know and and keep on going and you got this and yep. uh it's it's very important to have that in life man you got to you know? have it yeah. i i i agree now there's a there's a point you know you you uh in the in the book you talk about how you and your si- uh, father you know kind of reconciled right because yeah. there was yeah, a, yeah, yeah. A, a really long period of you know a lot of anger yeah. right and i i yeah. think I, I would imagine there are people who could relate to that, just having just just this hurt, you yeah. know, that they they've dealt with for a long time. Yeah. And it, at one point, um, I remember he he said this to you, and I just want you to talk about it if you sure. don't mind, right? Yeah. He said, "Son, live fearlessly, be courageous, yeah. always forgive, and above all, love with all your heart. Don't give up, son. Don't ever give up." Yeah. Man, it's such a powerful moment for us, you know, for my dad and I, because you got to understand the majority of our life, we didn't have a relationship. And so it wasn't until the end, I get a call. I'd always uh, talk to him and I felt like I was being the parent sometimes, you know, uh, with our conversations. And then finally, uh, you know, he took me up on what I had always said, hey, dad, move down to Texas, live the rest of your life with your grandkids and with your children. We love you. And so he he just had just a bunch of guilt and shame for the for his past, and it was hard for him. And then the post traumatic stress disorder. I don't really think that he got the treatment that he needed for that. Yeah. And so, long story short, man, um, he had pulmonary fibrosis, mm. and we had no idea that uh, we had two months with him. And when so, he moved from when uh, he moved, to, yeah. so I picked him up, and he was just, um, you know barely breathing and i said dad i gotta take you to the va hospital mm. and so i took him and we took him to three hospitals and by the third hospital the doctor there diagnosed him with what was pulmonary fibrosis yeah. and he came in and he was just honest and open it was difficult for us to hear but he said you've got about two three months tops mm. 
and we were devastated. So I spent almost every single day with him in the hospital. Hmm. And then my uh, my younger sister, Deborah, uh, she said, you know, for hospice, I want him to come to my house. Hmm. And so the night before he passed, this is such a beautiful picture, man. He had all his grandchildren in the room. He had all his children in the room and we sang hymns. Hmm. Uh, one of his best friends that had been one of those friends throughout his life. Uh, walked in and played a trumpet for him and you know this hymn on the trumpet it was beautiful man um, but then the day of I, I felt like man this was the day he was gonna pass and the hospice nurse walked over and she said hey uh, um, he's still holding on he's still hanging on to something mm. you know does something need to be said and I knew immediately that my mom had told us that she had forgiven him but she had never spoken those words to him. Mm -mm. And so I went, I go to the other room and I said, mom, you know, would you do me a favor? Would you just whisper to dad at this point? You know, he was non-responsive. Mm -hmm. We knew it was a matter of time. And she walked in there and she said, uh, she called him Cholo. She said, yeah. Cholo, I forgive you. Mm -hmm. I have forgiven you years ago. You're going to be at peace. And you could tell, you know, she was getting emotional saying it and uh, held his hand and about, kid you not two minutes after that he passed away mm. and that powerful statement of forgiving was actually something that he had um, finally experienced at the end of his life and so i felt like those words live fearlessly be courageous always forgive was saying son i've lived the opposite of this mm. so if you want to do something in life definitely get these right yeah. For, live with no accounts. And if you have anything against anybody, um, you know, just be clear of it in your heart. And I would say, going back to dreams, a lot of us um, do kind of cheat ourselves when we're holding on to stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's important to let go of things and let go of our past and forgive people, uh, you know, to ha just have that clarity and mm -hmm. that focus. And yeah. so, uh, but that was powerful, man. And we we uh, just recently, uh, a cousin of mine, uh, with one of the the bullets that he had from being a veteran, he carved that on there for me. And uh, that, that we, quote, that quote, wow. and uh, it's something that we passed around with the family. You know, we uh, my little sister made a portrait of it, and it's just one of the things, uh, siblings in our family, we've kind of just taken under, you know, and just said, hey, we need to live this way. Yeah. yeah. Um, what, what was that? Was that in the last three years that he said that to you? Was it? It was during right before, that time in it hospice. Was right before he passed. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Right before he passed, and it was. Uh, so he had gone under. We thought that he was gone one time. He went through. Uh, you know, just uh, he was in almost a coma, and you know, so he came back, and that's the first thing that he said. And he actually started writing it first, so he could barely like scribble. And so he kept on write, trying to write, forgive, forgive, mm. forgive. And I thought that he was talking to me at first and just saying, you know, forgive me and, yeah. you know, all that. But it was more so like, no, son, you need to forgive yourself, forgive others. Yeah. You need to live this way because I've lived the opposite of that. Wow. You know? Yeah. So when I go back to that quote and I, I see, you know, he, he says, uh, live fearlessly. Yeah. You know, I see that you, you, you're doing that. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, t- try, You're doing try that. my best, man. It's it's a. Uh, I mean, this book is a testament of. Yeah, it. it is. It is right. But with that, I will say, fear is present when you're doing things right. Yeah. You know, it's never. Uh, it's it's never this thing that just goes away, and you're no. just like, oh man, it's great. Like we do yeah. things constantly to this day that scare us, mm-hmm. and it's being able to face those things and say, you know what regardless of that scare or that fear, I'm still going to do this. Yeah. And when you push past that, man, there is something beautiful on the other side of that. Um, but yeah, so, uh, you know, to answer your question, and I scare myself all the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's good. And I mean, that's where the being courageous is, yeah. right? That's where, you know, that part about being courageous, but not giving up. Yeah. And Excellent. then, so I, I'm going to, I'm going to fast forward in the book to the part where that, that, that obviously you and I have kind of talked a lot about is the Iron Man experience, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and you're an Iron Man. You did Iron Man. And the last one was 2014. So I did a half yeah. in Austin and uh, the last one was Coeur d'Alene. Coeur d'Alene, yeah, which Coeur d'Alene, is like the one they canceled. Like they don't even do anymore. Is that the one they yeah, said? So, they not do it? So one detail about that, uh, I told all my friends, you know, two years prior, because trained for about a year. Mm. But even the friends that I, the triathlete friends that were like, uh, maybe you should do uh, Arizona yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or Texas, you yeah. know, because it's flat. Yep. So, but don't, don't do Coeur d'Alene. Right. It's beautiful out there, but the elevation is so high. And Why in the world did you pick Coeur d'Alene? It was, <laughs> it was, was it just uh, a timing deal? It was probably like, you know, more of this, you know, uh, did I, most you of my know fr- how hard it was? I didn't. Okay. See, okay. Okay. All right. But I knew it was tougher than Arizona yeah. and Texas. And uh, I think some of the reasons were, you know, I, at the time of year, you know, mm-hmm. I wanted to have a versus having a hot race. I wanted to have a, you know, I cho- I choose cold. Yeah. You know, I, I yeah. kind of you know being from New York, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was you know along the process, man. I doubted myself a lot, man. I was like, yeah, why did I choose Cordelaine? <laughs> so my buddy did Whistler, and we oh, we really? did yeah okay. we did we did a we did our uh, our podcast with him, yeah. and and he told us about the elevation gain in Whistler, and yeah. it's just insane, right? Yeah. It's just crazy. So go, I want you to talk about the because you talk about the story in the water, yeah, and 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 it got choppy that day, yeah. Talk about that because yeah, so, for those of you who don't know, an Ironman is two point four miles yep, swim, two point five miles swim, one twelve. Uh, yeah, one twelve bike, and then uh, the marathon. Ah, uh, just a marathon at the yeah, end. No biggie, so. no biggie. So, talk about the water experience. Yeah, so you know the detail with that is that I of the three, uh, swimming was the hardest for me. So when I started training for swimming, I felt like, man, I do not know how to do this thing, and it's all about relaxing, becoming buoyant moving with the water. In fact, someone told me this is funny. They said, Hey man, when do you, when do you like, when are you the best in the water? It's like when you're not doing anything, yeah. when you're, you know, pretty much, you know, you just float, right? Yeah. Says so your body was meant to be buoyant with the water. So it's all about relaxing and not fighting. And so, um, so to the day, you know, before the race, I was still, you know, with that swim thing. I mean, I had, I had, uh, already swam the 2.4 miles and I, I did a half Ironman race prior to that. And I had built up confidence, but open water swimming was just dreadful to me. And yeah. talk about fear. I mean, that was present and tangible that morning. And where we stayed at the owner of the bed and breakfast where my wife and I stayed, uh, a storm came through 
And I was praying, man. I was, you, you know, when you do your on mat, you're going to pray, man. It's, uh, I was, oh, I was yeah. praying the night. I was like, man, I could have like all this happen, you know, with Iron Man race, but like, just let the water be smooth. I need to smooth, just let, God, just let me finish the, the, the water race. Right. And, and so, then you can rain. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, because yeah, everything's d- downhill after it's that. It's Coeur Is it a lake? Yeah. So, so like, okay. uh, it's a beautiful aquifer, you know, one of the cleanest, but it's, uh, uh, two days before a storm came through. And okay. so the owner of that bed and breakfast said, hey, the water's going to be choppy because it takes about two days. He said, uh, and then he said to give me encouragement, he said, oh, I didn't finish uh, when I did it oh just because the water was too choppy. <laughs> so I'm going to, so it was a wave start. So you're talking about thousands of athletes moving into the water slowly. Yeah. And as they're getting in, I see far off, there's kayakers helping you know, uh, site, uh, for the swim, um, you know, just all the swimmers in because we can barely see the, the buoys and, uh, they're pulling people out because people are giving up on the first 800, you swim 800 meters out, 200 meters, uh, you know, to the side and then 800 meters in and run and, and do a get back and get yeah. back on it. So the, you know, just going in, man, I, I see people being pulled out. So, Mm. your mind just starts doing things you know you just start like second guessing and just um man i had just so much fear and i remember getting into the water and the first few seconds man like i felt just this heat come over my body and i was like man i'm not gonna make it this is not gonna happen Mm. and i decided to push through that and uh, still, I was praying. I think I was praying for like a straight 24 hours. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. The race. Real. And then, uh, you know, my coach gave me some great advice. He said, get on, get on a wake, you know, a, a good swimmer, you know, get on their wake, you know, for some of it. If you feel yourself like panicking a little mm-hmm. bit, because it was a lot of that. And so I pushed through that. It was, it was several seconds. And then I just felt like this courage fill my heart. Mm. And uh, things like, you know, my coach telling me, you got to trust your training and you haven't made it this far to give up mm. and you've worked this hard to finish. And, you know, so I just start hearing my wife saying, Josh, you got this, you know, yeah. and all those encouragements that you've heard along the way of training. And, and I finished, and there's a picture, I don't know if you've seen it, mm. and I think I posted it one time. I get out of the water and my goggles are to the side because somebody hit me like the last 800 meters. Yeah. Um, my goggles were like to the side. So I was so you're swimming, swimming blind. I was swimming blind, bro. Like I had one eye, like it's such a bad picture. There's no good oh, pictures I with love it. when you do Iron Man, man. Right. You're like, you're, you're not going to get a, a cool magazine oh, shot. man. It's awesome. Anyway. So, and, and that day I'll never forget, um, on the bike. So you're climbing we had, uh, up to 40 mile per hour winds. So, uh, you know, climbing, you know, up, what was it 5,000 elevate I mean you're just climbing for a long time yeah with those winds like you on a carbon bike yeah I feel like you're gonna fall off um and there was a guy that that was right next to me the last uh I think it was at 90 mile mark on the bike and he's like man we're not gonna make it and, <laughs> and I'm like man what is it what is it with this negativity you know wow. and so I turned to him and I said man you got this and it, he actually helped me because I was I was taking it you know a little a little slower during that time, but him saying that motivated me to go faster and encourage him. And he actually helped me. 
Wow. And uh, and then we were able to finish together. Did he end up finishing the he marathon did. too? Oh, yeah, he that's did. Awesome. Yeah, and we saw each other at the end, and he was like, "Man, thank you so much." And I was like, "Thank no, you." No, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you because you probably would have gone just kept at that pace, yeah, that's exactly and you may right. have been cut off. Yep. There's a time limit you need to, you know, and that's why he was saying that. He's like, we're not going to make it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, but, you know, crossing that finish line and there's, there's a video, you know, that my wife took. Um, I was in tears, man. Um, it was spiritual for me yeah. because you don't have uh, music during the day. You don't have uh, distractions. You're just, it's just you and God. Mm. And I was just thinking of all the parallels in life, you know, sometimes you want to give up, sometimes it gets hard and you got to embrace that. And yeah. you get to a point where your body is numb. Yeah. And you're just like, you embrace the pain. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's early, it was early on in the race for me. Um, and you know, the last guy that made it through, I think he was in his sixties, man. And there's a cutoff right at 12 AM. Okay. And, uh, Mike Riley, you know, the guy that says, yep. you are an Ironman. Yep. He came out of the stand and he pushed this guy to cross the finish line. To get him to pass. To get him to pass. And it was a beautiful, I mean, that was the most amazing story that day. You know, wow. just, you know, if you want to do something, you set your mind to it and you do it, it's going to take hard work. Um, but you can do it. You yeah. know? And your mind tells you that you can along the way. You, yeah. you can't, you know. Yeah. Um, but we can do so much more than we tell ourselves. We it's can. so yep. true. It's so true. Yeah, man. And uh, so I, I, I'm glad you, I wanted to make sure we brought up the Ironman because I, yeah. I, I, you know, because I'm, I'm doing my journey right now and kind yeah, of man. figuring out the swimming. I'm figuring out the sure. biking. And um, during the training, what what was the what kind of spiritual parallels would, did you bring into it from uh, with the training that you had to do? Yeah, so there was an important uh, detail. So I had a swim coach, Linda Miller, and uh, Donald. Is she here in San Antonio? Yeah, she's amazing. Okay, Linda and, Miller. Uh, uh, yeah, you gotta definitely um, look her up. She's she's amazing, and she really helped me with the swim. Uh, Don Lasoli, you know, he's a trainer at uh, Lifetime Fitness, okay. and he really helped me with the bike. In fact, my first bike ride was with him in the rain, lightning, oh, wow. and uh, yeah, after that I was hooked, man. I yeah, was like, man, I want to do this. And so she told me something that was very very important. She said the day of the race, you're not going to be able to control so many things, inclement weather is one thing you cannot control, mm. but you will always be able to control your response mm. to every single thing that happens to that day. Hmm. So stay positive. The most important thing was like, stay positive, trust your training, and you know, decide that you're gonna cross that finish line. I had to decide that, you know? So it was, there was a lot of me telling myself, you know, hey, you're gonna cross that finish line today. Yeah. You yeah. haven't come this far to give up. And yeah. so I think the spiritual parallels with that is that let's take for now, for instance. Yeah. There are so many things out of our control. So we've true. been just like, what in the world, man? We started, I don't know about you, but I started 2020. Yeah. And my family and I were like, man, this is going to be the best year. Seriously. So many of our friends were like, man, we have all these plans this year. We had all these trips that we were going to take. We yep. just, all these things. And all of a sudden we're interrupted with chaos and yeah. just uh the um just so much that is going on with hatred in our country now and divisiveness and you know all this just disrupts us yeah. and what it's done for us it's asked it you know we ask this question how are you how are you going to respond to this yeah 
And so every single day we have that question, how are we going to respond? We get to choose how we respond. We get to choose how we're yeah. going to respond. And so we can either be a part of the problem or we can be a part of the solution. We can yeah. be a part of the discouragement or the encouragement. I love it. We have to, we have to be a part if we're going to get past this, man. We need to be a part of the, the hope and yeah. the encouragement. And um, we're in this together, but yeah. we're not in the same boat because some of us are on yachts and some of us are on little boats and we're feeling like the, you know, just the, the turbulence of the water, you know, uh, the people that are on the front lines right now in the medical world and, yeah. you know, restaurant owners, man, they're experiencing this thing in a, in such a different way. Our first yeah. responders, I mean, they're experiencing all of this in a different way. And, um, they have been, you know, at the, at the beginning. And so, uh, my wife and I, you know, in this time we've, we've, you know, just prayed and just said, God, how can we be a part of that hope for people? Yeah. And one of the things is the timing of this book. Yeah. Cause, uh, I was going to release it last year, but, uh, you know, through some different, uh, things that happened with the publisher, I felt like, man, I need to wait. Yeah. And there were still some some things that needed to be said. When you write a book, man, you're second guessing yourself and you're like, uh, you go to edit so many times. And then I had an incredible team that really, really looked at, you know, just chapters and they gave me advice for it. There was a uh, an editor out of Switzerland that said, hey, you got to put pictures in it. And, mm. um, you know, that tells a story. Pictures tell stories. Yeah. And, uh, so, yeah, so answer your question, man, I feel like... Uh, you know, God calls us in this time to rise up and to yeah. be a part of the solution. And each one of us have something to give. Yeah. You know, um, you know, being the best versions of ourselves is is so important. In this it's time. part of that. And not being perfect at all, because none of us are perfect. No. We're gonna fail and we're gonna have thoughts. You know, we've had days where we're just yeah. like, man, this is crazy. My wife is like, you know, they asked her, are you gonna take your kids back? Mm. And we're, you know, we have those days of like, man, we'll put hazmat suits on them and they're go they'll be good. They'll figure <laughs> yeah. it out. Yeah. They'll figure um, it out. But you know, we all uh, we all have something to give in this time. We yeah. all have something to give. And yeah. whether it's a helping hand in our circle, you yeah. know, uh, we can all make a difference. I think it's interesting you use the analogy of the water again, going yeah. back to your cruise. Yeah. Right. Going back to that, you're on the balcony and you're thinking, hey, I'm living in my dream. I'm awake in my dream. Yeah. But you use the analogy of the idea that, you know, we're all in the water, but not of us are in the same boat. That people, there's some people that have bigger boats that can weather that a little yeah, bit better. Absolutely. Some people are in smaller boats. Yeah. I love that analogy. Yeah, it's it's true. It's so true. And then true. some people have, are sinking. Some people are and out there swimming, man, yeah. you know? And so yeah. what we can do, you know, instead of like trying to just act like we're on our boat separate from, if we're really all in this together, then yeah. if we see somebody sinking, man, it's our job to go out there and help them get yeah. back. You know, yeah, and for sure. You know, if we see somebody's boat going under, it's our job to, to go out there and help, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, I've seen a lot of that in this time. Yeah. Uh, you know, we love a community Bible church here yeah. in CBC. San Antonio and Pastor Ed and yeah. Phil and all those guys, the, the incredible things that they've done 
in this time has just been so, so beautiful. Yeah. So I think, you know, in these times, you see hope rise. You see yeah. you see the best of people, you see the worst of people too, man. It's unfortunately, you know? right? Yeah. That's part of that, that's part of being in that water. Is it sometimes I think, you know, people can be in the bigger boat that are looking down, like, you know, well, why aren't you prepared? You yeah. know, <laughs> who yeah. could prepare for COVID? Yeah. You know what I mean? This true, what, in this circumstance that we're in, it's really difficult to to ever see anything like this coming. Um, I'm gonna I'm, we're gonna wrap up with a couple of co- more questions, but there's yeah, there's a there's a quote that you said. Um, you were talking about God moving mountains and God moves mountains, yeah. right? God, God can do the impossible. Yeah. And I was reading today uh, when Peter goes in in, in in Acts nine, and Peter goes to uh, uh, and he he meets uh, Tabitha who had passed. She was a disciple that had passed in Joppa, and he raises her from the dead. Yeah. And I I mean I'm listening to that and I'm like okay, okay, you know, I I would say raising someone from the dead is pretty pretty high up there on yeah. moving mountains. It's a miracle. It's <laughs> a miracle, yeah, 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 yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. But think about this quote. You say, "Yes, God can move the mountain, but usually he invites us to climb." Yeah, absolutely. And that I literally that was the first quote that I shared from your book. Yeah. You know? Thank you, man. That Thank you. that hit me, man. Yeah. He invites us to climb. It reminded me of another book that I had read, right? There's another book that I'd read uh, yeah. called The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. Yeah. Right? Is it the obstacle is the way? Sometimes we do. God is saying, hey, yes, the mountain is there. Now start climbing. Yeah. Where did that come to you when you wrote that? Where was that coming from? What place was that coming from? Yeah, there's so many of those stories, man. There's yeah. so many of those stories because in my life, um, you know, I learned very, very early on that life is tough. Life is like a mountain. And, you know, there have been other times where God has absolutely powerfully removed that mountain and made a way. But most things in my life, I've had to climb that mountain. Mm. But in climbing that mountain, I have found his strength. I have found his grace. I have found him coaching me. And I'll share this story with you, man. It's about my oldest son, Joshua. Mm-hmm. Um, recently, he did cross country. Okay. And he started, and I remember his first race was excruciating. It was when the sun just started popping out it was like the 90s man it was he looked at me when he crossed the finish line and he was like dad why are you doing this to me like with his face he was like do you want to kill me you know like what do you what why are you putting this hurt on me and immediately i had that thought of that book you know like um it would have been easy for me to say hey joshua you don't have to do this but i knew that he was going to learn something in that pain yeah. He was going to learn something about himself. He ended up improving by the end of the season seven minutes. He shaved seven minutes off his off his time. Wow. He became uh, just an amazing runner. Yeah. But the first few weeks, man, he was hating it. And he'd, cut, he'd come home and he'd be like, man, why are you doing this? And I feel like it's very, I learned so much about parallels being a father, you know, with my kids. God speaks to me all the time, you know, oh, with yeah. that, with that dynamic, you know, man, being oh, a father. Yeah. And um, it's so true with us. You know, sometimes we want God to take something away. Yeah. But he's teaching us something. And it's so beautiful because he knows that we're going to go through pain. He knows that we're going to feel like giving up. He knows that we're going to look at him and just say, "What God, why? But he knows at the end of it, we're going to be stronger. Yeah. We're going to be more confident. He, we're going to be more of the person that he wants us to be. Right. And it's all about that. It's all about our purpose. Yeah. And so now, uh, you know, 
when I face those mountains, I ask that question. I say, God, if this is something you want to take, that's cool. If I have to climb it, I know and I have confidence that you're yeah. going to help me climb it. Yeah. You're going to help us get through. So we, so we know that you know my wife and I, we lost a baby, and you know that story. Yeah. Um, that was a mountain for us. It was like, why God? Why we? Why did you allow this to happen? Or why did it happen? Fast forward a year after is when we got the call to adopt Joshua. Yes, and and we understood that that was a part of this plan in the terms of not just causing that to happen us losing the baby but him you know making all things new and i love this verse psalm 30 14 says god is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit and so when we feel like god is the furthest away he's he's at work man he's close that's where he is yeah he's close mm. and he always has a plan and so joshua for us man um being our first son adopting him and just how god made all that happen yeah. um, is just an amazing amazing testimony of that mountain. What's on the other side of that mountain? You yeah. Know? So you have to, uh, life is kind of just like a steady mountain. You'll go through your valleys. You'll go through your high points. There's also views that you mm. don't have when you're in the valley. Yeah. So that's another detail. You know, yeah. um, you're not going to see all the beautiful things that you can until you get to the top of the mountain. Yeah. You know? And if you, in, 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 expecting to just be picked up and placed on the top of the mountain oh, takes you out of yeah. the process. That's an important, right? that's an important point because we have a culture now that, uh, sometimes I think, uh, you know, what I'm trying to, you know, teach my kids right now is grit. Yeah. You know, they, they, they want to come help me install sometimes and they, they, uh, they're understanding work. I want to teach them hard work at a very early age because things don't happen, you know, just overnight. Yep. You have to work. You have to have grit and you have to embrace the process. It's yeah. all about the process. Sometimes yeah. and most times it's not about where you get to in life. It's it's the process and the journey yeah. to that place. Yep. You know, that's the story. That right? is. You know? Yeah. And if you just were picked up and put on top of the mountain, there is no story. Yeah. <laughs> right? And there's and the other thing with that, there's no fulfillment too. So God knows Zero. that. You know, so in my life, you know, when I've worked hard for things, now now looking back, you know, with, with our business that has prospered so much and we're so grateful for our clients and our team and just all the wonderful things that have come out of it. But uh, I really feel fulfilled every morning when I wake up and doing something that I know took grit and I know took a lot of years of hard work and mm. second guessing and, you know, um, all those things, you know, it's just a whole different fulfillment. Yeah. Now yeah. It, part of that mountain climb with, with you and your wife, um, in that, in that journey, yeah. you know, in, in that you wrote a song. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. and and people, a lot of people don't know this story, but but I was doing a class. Yeah, do you remember this? I do remember that. And yeah. I had that song playing, and I yeah. didn't know it was your song. I didn't know you wrote that yeah. song, bro. So from my perspective, I get there that morning. You invited me. It was at Gasaba, John, right? John Maxwell. Yeah, I was doing a teaching. John Maxwell teaching, yeah. and it was at Gasaba. Yeah, and so I walk in. And so the first thing I think of is like, man, did he set this up? Like, this is <laughs> this is nice, <laughs> right? Like, that's perfect. This is weird, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it just confirmed I was supposed to be, you know, where I was supposed Tell to. be. Tell me that about morning. that song, though. That, yeah, so, the creation of that song because yeah. it is it is such oh, a man. good song. Thank you. Uh, part of the reason it's uh, I feel like you know it 
resonated with a lot of people too. Lisa Lopez, the girl that yes. sings it, she's amazing. Um, and we recorded it at Community Bible Church and with a I have that recording four hundred piece choir. And but the song uh, came from that time, you know, that my wife and I were asking the question, "Why God?" And the chorus is, "God, you are God, even when I can't see you. God, you are God, even when I can't feel you." And I will worship. I will worship. It's a simple chorus. A buddy of mine was producing an album at the time. His name is Mark Townsend, and. Uh, he had a beautiful melody and he had some some ideas for for the lyrics on the verses and so we wrote it together mm-hmm. he had gone through the same thing uh, wow as well losing a baby uh you know and and so we just felt it was it was going to be something that resonated with people and it's so funny you asked about that that song because uh the first time i shared that story about joshua was at community bible church hmm. And I didn't want to share it. It was so wow. vulnerable. It was so, it was such a, a personal thing, right? Yeah. To stand in front of, you know, it's about, you know, just over 10,000 people and yeah. just share the story of, of Joshua, of losing a baby and then adopting, you know, our son, you know. And the moment that I shared it, I remember walking back to my car after that Sunday and people were coming up and just saying, Thank you so much for sharing that story. Thank you. We've gone through that and we're going mm. through that now. And mm. we were questioning and that song has really encouraged us. And so um, I feel like, you know, sharing your story and sharing your wounds and sharing your pain and all those and being real, you know, is uh, it's just a beautiful thing in, in terms of uh, where it will help people. Yeah, You know, people... People know already, man, that we're, you know, there's nobody perfect, man. Like we all have scars and we all have things in our life that we're working through. And I think the more real we can be about those things, um, man, we just were able to connect with people in a way. Yeah. And this book, you know, was just like that story, telling that story. Like, uh, you know, it took me years, man, to just say, okay, I'm going to release it because I go really into the deep moments in my life, man, where there were very you know, just vulnerable and, you know, personal. And, um, but I decided that, man, I, I need to share this, you know, it's a powerful story, Josh, man. I I, listen, every time you're at CBC, I get fired up. Whenever I see that you're going to be singing, I get fired up whenever I see that and love hearing you do worship at CBC and love hearing your music. I mean, you can hear it on Amazon, like on Amazon music. I can say, Alexa, play Josh Lopez and your CD will pop up. Did you know that? Uh, I I didn't know that. You didn't no, know that? No. Of course you knew that. <laughs> That's hilarious. But listen, I want to thank you for being on TM3 Impact, Man, my friend. You, I appreciate this book. And I just want to say, look, please. I, I I mean, at the end of the day, this 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 doesn't make a ton of money. But what it's going to do, I think the bigger picture to this, Josh, I think whatever mess you think you're in because there's another quote you say you said god sees the mess and he still sees the best yeah absolutely that's another quote from his book and and wherever you're at this book will encourage people to really see the bigger picture yeah and then you know you started with your view of like like being awake in your dream on the boat yeah. Right. And then you go through like, wait a minute, this is this is what my life was like before. And right. then you end back on the boat. Right. This whole idea, this culminating thing. Right. Yeah. And I just sit there and I go, man, I, I appreciate your heart and I appreciate okay. you sharing that. Thank this you, will man. be a massive blessing for a lot of people. But the biggest blessing, Josh, is going to be 
You know the biggest blessing? It's your kids. Yeah. Your yeah. kiddos. Thank tell, you. Tell us to everybody your name. Say hi to all to your kiddos because yeah, they're going to so, hear this. So Martha is my beautiful wife. Uh, yeah. It's the best thing I've ever done in my life. The best of me. And yeah. uh, Joshua is our oldest boy. He's amazing. Uh, Christian is so amazing. Gifted. You know, man, it's a, yeah. he's a soccer man. He's, oh, yeah. You know, four or five points a game. And then uh, Sophia. A four years old man, Sophia Grace. She runs the house. Of bro. course, she does. You know, <laughs> I'm. A, we're actually putting a team of you know my friends together to help us. You know, how do we raise daughters, man? <laughs> you know, and um, say no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's funny. Good luck with that with daughters. Yeah, I know, As guys, man. that's it's, that's really difficult. Yep, that's yep, really that's difficult. Who, and, yeah, so it's a blessing, man. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast, Tomas, man. We talked about it early yeah. on and man, you're such a, a positive voice for uh, San Antonio and beyond and man, blessings to you and your family and just everything you're doing, man. Thank you. Same so to much, you, man. my man. Take Thank care. You, man. We'll see All you right, soon. Man.